always say good day and thanks so much for hanging out with us today i'm talking to a guy who has been doing some heavy lifting in the community i'm talking about tavis myrick a business leader an educator a grant writer a program creator i'm running out of breath here tavis and 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 you're a program creator for folks who struggle economically and we're talking about some of the people in our youngest demographic here you have a hand in everything that leads them to the light, if you will. How you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me today. Oh man, after having a conversation with you, I said, we gotta have this brother on because he is on fire. What's going on in your world? It's just another day, a day to be productive and to serve our youth. So I'm kind of excited to have this opportunity to share what we do um, and to bring awareness to how other people can join in on this journey with us. See, that was enough for me right there. Now I feel like I can run through a wall. <laughs> so tell me the name of the organization that you're running right now where you're working with youth. Uh, the name of one of our organizations is called the Gentleman's Quest of Tampa. That's my primary organization. And you said one of your organizations, because I mentioned just a moment ago, you have your hand in a lot of activities right now. What else are you doing? We basically create programs that take away excuses from kids to not be successful. So we have the Gentleman's Quest of Tampa, which is a, a mentoring program for youth here in Hillsborough County. Uh, we also have a program called a Bridge of Hope Teen Transition Center, which is a program for youth that are in foster care uh, that are have been suspended, expelled, or are not enrolled in school at the moment. And they come to our facility uh, throughout the day to receive educational services and life skills. We also have a teen parent program where we serve teen parents here in Hillsborough County, just providing services to them so that they have no reason to drop out of school. Everybody, we want to be successful. Where did this affinity for youth begin? It actually started uh, when I was in the second grade. I had this teacher named Miss, Mrs. Brabble who, who loved me for whatever reason. She took she took a special attention to me, I guess I would say. Um, I had a late bus. My bus would come after everyone else's, my bus to take me home. So she would keep me in the class as opposed to taking me to the front of the school. So I would stay in her classroom and she would teach me whatever lesson she was going to teach the next day. She would teach it to me um, and then I would teach it to the class the next day, specifically in math. So I would teach the math lesson as a second grader to my second grade peers every day. And from that point on, I knew I was going to be a teacher. Um, she kind of helped to develop that love for teaching in me. I, after graduating high school, I went to college and became a teacher. Once I became a teacher uh, and, and noticed the need for change in our schools, the state of our schools. I decided to start a mentoring program to kind of serve our, our kids because I recognized that some of our public schools weren't really meeting the needs of our kids and some of our kids were falling behind. They were falling by the wayside. And I just believe that I was created to do more than to just teach math. Um, and so I just wanted to serve kids and make sure that all kids had a level playing field and that all kids had the tools and the resources that they needed to be successful. Tavis, you've been in the game since second grade. <laughs> yes, sir. I've been teaching a long time. <laughs> so you weren't on payroll back then. You were just interning. Payroll back then, but she would literally sit and eat her lunch while I would teach the math lesson every day. 
Oh, my goodness. That is quite the story. And what stood out to you then versus what stands out to you now as a teacher? Many of the same things, because at that time, those were your peers. Now, you know, you are kind of leading people who are where you once were. I mean, interestingly enough, at that time as a second grader, I don't know if I was as aware of societal issues of the state of the schools. I was just enjoying math and enjoying the fact that I was able to lead my students um, in a lesson in math every single day. However, once I actually became a teacher by profession, it quickly, I quickly became aware of the various issues that our students were having in the schools, low test scores, high discipline uh, rates, high absenteeism, um, just multiple issues that, that these kids just needed people to advocate for them, to guide them, to expose them to what was greater, as I like to call it. You know, I even find that as an issue as an adult, not exactly knowing, as we spoke before, um, how do I advocate for myself? How do I do that? So some of the kids you work with, they, they have trouble seeing themselves the way you see them. How do you open their eyes, if you will? I once read this parable about this man who talked about when he saw people, he saw people walking around, but not as people, he saw people walking around as trees, which kind of might seem odd, but what it was really symbolic of was seeing people in their positional reality as opposed to their practical state. As a human, it's natural to look at a person and see, see them or see us as, as our mistakes, as our failures, as our faults, but it takes real intentionality to be able to look past what we have done to see who we're becoming. And so when I see our young men, I like to see them as who they are becoming, not who they are right now, but where they're going in life. And I kind of hold them to that. I treat them as that person in their future. Um, and and, and I, I like them to see themselves as that. I kind of always tell them, I mean, even as adults, we all make mistakes, we all mess up. And so definitely as kids, they're gonna make mistakes and mess up. It's not about how you messed up in life, it's about how you learn from those mistakes and how you move forward. So the biggest thing is helping youth recognize that, that you don't have to be a victim of your situation. You don't have to be stuck at your last mistake but you can be a student of that situation and learn from it and grow from it and, and transition from there. I love that. And you know, Brian Stevenson said that uh, each of us is actually more than the worst thing we've ever done. Yeah. And that really resonated with me when I read that in his book. How many youth are you working with right now? So we work with 25 youth in our community-based program. And then we have about 50 youth in our site-based programs, which means we go to their school sites to work with them. And so this started in a school, in a, in a classroom, I guess it blossomed to the entire school. Then it grew outside the walls of the school, right? Yes, sir. It started in 2014, serving a particular zip code here in Hillsborough County that served our school. We had a, uh, a community that had a lot of violence. It had a lot of things that were happening outside of school, but it was being trickled onto our campus. So we started noticing all of these black and brown youth 
that were being suspended and expelled for things that were happening off campus, but was kind of being trickled <laughs> on our campus. And we just, I really just felt like they needed to see another way. Because if you've only been exposed to whatever you've been exposed to, that's all you know. And so someone had to step up and say, not my community, not my son, not my village, not my school. And that's what I decided to do. I decided to make a decision to say, we, we're about to expose them to careers. We're about to expose them to colleges. We're about to expose them to su successful people so that they can have another opportunity. They can have a different vantage point. They're very impressionable at the age that you receive them, right? Yes, sir. And psychologically, where are many of the young men specifically when you meet them at this stage in their lives? Oddly enough, many of them are, and I say oddly enough, but <laughs> many of them, I say oddly enough, excuse me, because a lot of times they don't always communicate um, these things. I mean, as, as men, specifically as Black men, we've been socialized not to communicate our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions. And so sometimes it really comes with intentionality and one-on-one -on -one conversations that we find a lot of these students have low self-esteem, they don't have confidence in themselves. And so part of our program is really about building them as men, al allowing them to recognize their strength as a man um, and, and, and helping them to actually walk that out, if that makes sense. It does. How long have you been involved with education, uh, like professionally? I've been involved in education professionally for about 12 years. Okay, so having said that, um, are you saying that many of these young men are not verbally articulating their feelings when you first get them? Yes. So is it safe to say that even though they may not be articulating it verbally, they are doing as much with their body language, as much as they try to hide it, you can see right through it. You've worked with enough people, you've worked with enough folks that in that age group, and you've just been able to read people for some time that maybe that speaks louder than they even know. You're absolutely right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I mean, there is even research that says most of what we communicate is communicated through our body language as opposed to our words. Um, so you're absolutely right. And that actually manifests in these schools with their, with their outbursts, with their behavior. And if a person really isn't, here goes that word again, intentional about <laughs> that kid and their development, we'll easily slap a label on them, slap a consequence on them without actually identifying what the root issue is and without actually helping them obtain a solution. What do you want people out there to know about the kids that you've met? I want people to know not just about my kids, but about all kids, that all kids are able, they want to be successful and they can be successful if they have the adequate resources to be successful and not just the resources, but also the access to those resources. Because a lot of times people create programs and they say, oh, this is available or that's out there. But if they don't know that it's there and they don't know how to tangibly obtain it, then it's non-existent. <laughs> and so that's one of the things that our program does as we bring resources to the kids. So there is no excuse for them to not be successful. You can say that middle part again. Accessibility is everything. And some of these kids don't know what they don't know, especially at this age. Correct. Having said that, Davis, um, you're at a point where you are attracting a lot of attention uh, from parents, 
and kids as well, as they want to be able to work alongside you to become better versions of themselves. But there's not always access for everyone, unfortunately, because your funds only stretch so far, right? Yes. Can you expound on that a little bit? So we always want to be able to accept every kid that reaches out to our program. In fact, right now, we have a waiting list of over 40 students who, who either them or their parent would like them to be enrolled in our program. But unfortunately, we always have to cut it off because all of our services, all of our resources are free to the students we serve. And we always want to be in a position that whatever we say we're going to do, we're actually going to do it. And we're not hindered by having too many kids, so we can't do it. Something you don't want to break a promise to a child at all. Never do you want to break a promise to a child. And we always want to be an example of integrity um, to our children as well. Man, I love you and your program for that right there. You said a word when you said you never want to break a promise to a child. Why is that? Um, well, part of it is we're about to repeat a cycle. A lot of these students um, have already experienced broken promises and all of these broken paradigms that programs like ours are designed to stop because we're giving them a different vantage point. But the moment we do something similar to what they've seen and experienced, we're just about to recreate that same paradigm and another generation just continues that same thing. So we're trying to break that. We're trying to stop those things so that these kids can be successful. And as I've said before, so that they have no excuse to not be successful. We only want them to have examples of success. What could we do to open up the additional 47 spots? What would it take? It definitely would take more funding um, because it, it, just that simple, it definitely would take more funding. If you think about what we offer, when kids come to our site after school, we provide full, uh, a well-balanced meal, certified school teachers to provide tutoring. We provide transportation to those students. We have guest speakers every week and all of those things cost money. Uh, so, so it would just take additional funding to be able to provide additional meals, transportation, um, uh, 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 the certified teachers, more teachers, or additional nights a week. What are some of the circumstances, the dire circumstances that you could maybe give us the abbreviated version that some of these kids are dealing with just to make it make sense for our listeners out there? I would say, so one of the questions on our application, when a student enrolls in our program, the parent completes an application, but we also have the student complete an application. And in the student application, one of the questions asks, what, what is it that you're looking to get out of our program? How do you want to benefit? And I would say the last two years, the number one thing that students have written is they've expressed anger management issues mm. and needing to find outlets uh, to express themselves and needing to find ways not to express their anger so that they don't get in trouble or so that they don't have outbursts. And so that's where those we call them life class sessions come in. When the kids come to us and we're really teaching life skills and we're discussing problem solving and conflict resolution, and we're going through those things with kids so that they can really develop tangible strategies that they can apply to their life that's only gonna reap positive fruit in their life, if that makes sense. We say fruit, we, we've got tree, we've got a whole planting a seed theme here. <laughs> We do. <laughs> I love it. And you're planning a trip for educational purposes, right? We are. We are planning to take our students 
to what we're calling a leadership retreat in Washington, D.C. Uh, our students recently wrote a book that's coming out very soon uh, called I Am. And it's a, a, a compilation of poems that our students wrote over the summer. And our goal is to take the students to the National, uh, excuse me, to the American Poetry Museum in Washington, DC, and hopefully actually get the book entered uh, there uh, so that they can go and actually see their book there, but also see other books of poetry and learn about poetry. We also would like to uh, tour Howard University with our students because we always wanna expose them to colleges and careers. And lastly, we would like to take our students to the National Museum for African-American history and culture as well. So some of our students have never traveled outside of the state. Some of our students have never traveled on a plane. And all of these are opportunities. And, and that's the whole purpose of our program, to expose them to things that they haven't been exposed to before, to grace them with a different vantage point. So you're like the cultural usher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. In this case, yes. I love every bit of it. And how can folks get a hold of this book? So folks can get a hold of this book three ways or two ways, excuse me, going to our website, www.gqtampa.com. And the book can also be found and purchased on Amazon. Okay, okay. So we want people to support it. How much are they going to pledge to get, get a hold of that? That book is only going to cost $19.99. I love it. And that's going to fund this trip that we're talking about. That is our goal. So all of the proceeds from this book is going directly to this trip. As I mentioned earlier, everything that we do for our students is free, um, including trips like this. However, we're not a grant funded program. So everything we do, we fundraise for, believe it or not, which is why that funding is so important. So any donation that a person can make, whether it be via the book or just be a sewing into our program would be greatly appreciated. And 100% of it goes back to our youth. They had no clue they were being turned into authors, did they? They had no clue when we created, when, when we developed this activity, it was really just centered around helping the students recognize that they have a voice um, and, and, and that there is power in your voice. And as they, they wrote their poems and then they were presenting their poems just to myself and another staff member. And as I said and listened, I was like, wait, this is way more than just the moment. This is way more than just what we're doing during the summer. And lo and behold, it became a book that they didn't even recognize. I just showed it to them this week. Um, for the oh, what they say? <laughs> they were in awe. They were in awe of their pictures. They were in awe of their self, their name in print. Uh, just the fact, I was telling them, I asked them, I said, how many of you know a 14, 15, or 16-year-old that, that's an author? They said, no. I said, how many of you know someone whose name is in a book other than a yearbook? And, then, <laughs> and so they were like, but it's all about setting them up for success. Because I said to them, you may not know what you want to do at 16 years old, but when you decide what you want to do when you graduate high school, when you graduate college, at least you will have the tools because we as adults, as mentors, as community members, ensured that you had what you needed to be successful in any arena in life. And that is our goal. How about that? And they were, they were writing uh, a description of themselves. And, and I read this, these were all positive affirmations. Yes, yes. In fact, the, the subtitle of the book is a, a collection. 
it just slipped my mind actually. <laughs> it just slipped my mind. But it's all about celebrating diversity of black adolescents. How about that? Yes. Um, and you know, in order for them to receive this message you're giving them, we can make it come full circle with this, Tavis, because at one point in time, you didn't know who you were, but it took a moment for a woman to ask you that question, right? Tell us, tell us what she asked you and what happened when she asked you that. What was the epiphany? I literally was standing at an event had ended and I was standing talking to this lady who I was friends with. And uh, while I was talking to her, five different people at five different times just interrupted my conversation to ask me a question. And I remember looking at her after one of them walked away and I'm like, why are all of these people coming up to me? Like almost like frustrated or annoyed at the moment. And she looks at me and she says, you don't know who you are, do you? Mm. Like, and she was in awe at that moment. She's like, oh my God, you don't know. And I remember saying, what do you mean? Yes, I know who I am. But it wasn't until I left and reflected and, and had the epiphany that I, I'm a problem solver. So it would be natural for someone to come up to me to ask me a question or want me to solve their problem because that's what I was created to do. And it was that moment that I had a moment of awakening um, where she asked me that question. <laughs> they, Look at they, you. Ever the problem solver working with numbers and seeing that they don't add up. And so you're trying to make sure that education works out for our kids. I love every bit of it, Davis. Thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we love having you on a frank conversation. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to us. And until next time, y'all have a good one.